It's been a week, folks, and um, because of this week, which will for you be next week, but because of this present week, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about grief, in particularly grief across the lifespan. Um, I have been confronted with grief this week. I lost a friend who was 97 years old, um, and also my mother, who is 74, is dealing with grief, not only of that mutual 97-year-old friend, but also of her friend since elementary school, who is now in hospice. And then I learned of the sudden death of a friend on my team who had COVID, and she was a young mother with two children. So grief has been hitting me a lot of different ways today and this week in particular, um, and in ways that I think many of us have had to deal with in the past two, almost three years uh, due to the pandemic. Um, I'm not a stranger to loss due to death. Um, as I was looking through these different stages uh, or developmental re grief reactions um, from the American Counseling Association, it caused me to think back to my younger self dealing with grief, starting in elementary school myself. I don't remember if my the loss of my father was before or after the loss of my classmate who was hit by a car, but both of those occurred in second, third grade-ish. Um, and according to the American Counseling Association, children six to 12 years old um, learn the basic skills, but attach their cultural values to death and dying. So if they lose a loved one uh, during a disaster or a crisis, children might not want to leave home. Um, they may need much more reassurance from others about their personal safety, um, the safety of others around them, the safety of other loved ones in their immediate uh, care network. The younger child's grief crisis um, can be helped with uh, age-appropriate activities for grief. Um, such as you know, writing stories, talking about it, drawing it out. And um, they may have fantasies of bringing their loved one back. I can say for certain with my father, I had all kinds of elaborate schemes in my head about how he wasn't really gone, how he was gonna come back and what he was doing while he was away from us. And I don't know when I let go of that idea and started to really accept that he wasn't coming back, but I know that I had a lot of fantasies about him being away, being on a mission or having some important job to do. And then he was gonna come back to us at some point. Um, I remember having some anger because his death was a work accident, so he was abruptly taken away from us. Um, but that's about all I remember of it. I remember all of the visitors and the first holidays without him, 
Um, incidentally, he died um, during the holiday season. So that was a tough first holiday and probably the next one to two holidays after that. But I also remember neighbors, family and friends being around to try to make it as normal a holiday as possible for us, if you can really do that. But I got some of my most prized possessions. I've always been a reader, but some books to kind of help me live in a safer world where there was no loss, um, different play things that I could play with and imagine with and be happier and kind of buffered from that grief. So um, the guide also mentions that from the ages of 13 to 19, which they say is adolescence, um, like school-age children, they often deal with self-esteem and identity issues. Um, they want to be different than their parents. So if they lose a loved one during a disaster or crisis, they might feel guilty because of what they might have said to the person before they died. Um, just like young school-age children experiencing this kind of loss, they may also experience an interruption of age-appropriate activities since this kind of loss can force them to address issues that they are not necessarily prepared for at that developmental stage. So they might show their grief and loss through body language or acting out behaviors. Um, they might be more internally preoccupied, brooding over the loss of the loved one. Um, they may have changes in performance in school um, where they're not as focused in school and so their grades may slip. And those are things to look at um, if it's an adolescent dealing with this. And I'm not just saying, it's saying in crisis, but it doesn't really matter whether this loss was due to a crisis like a pandemic or a hurricane or just natural losses due to death of uh, grandparents and so on. Um, young adults, I, I find this kind of funny since I'm past the young adult stage, according to this uh, fact sheet, they consider young adults 20 to 40 years old, and they may be devastated by the thought, the death of a loved one. Um, so losing a loved one can be paralyzing um, for, for a child, especially parents, Parental grief can be a long lasting and powerful experience and it may affect, as we said in the previous example, it may affect some developmental tasks um, that the children would be able to complete or should be able to complete. It may be a little bit delayed um, because of the loss. Parents may blame themselves for not protecting their children better um, during the disaster or the crisis, um, their emotions, the parents, might range greatly and include things like loneliness, sadness, disbelief, anger, and anxiety. Young adults losing a spouse or a partner might feel emptiness and isolation, and their social connections might change as they are no longer a couple, but an individual. Losing a spouse or a partner at this age means that not only are they grieving, um, but they may also be assuming responsibilities and roles of the deceased partner. 
So I can certainly say that was a challenge having talked to my mother about the loss of my father. And, you know, we've had this, it's not continuous, but periodic check-ins about what was happening for her, what was happening for me when my father died, but she had two young children to take care of. And um, subsequent to the stress of suddenly losing my father, she had a health crisis, trying to get well and trying to be well enough to take care of two young children, um, being the primary breadwinner when previously they shared that role. Um, primary child care, um, when previously they shared that role, a lot of things to get used to and um, take on some skills, new skills that she wouldn't necessarily have done because he was there. So it was a challenging time for her and for us as children. Um, looking back at my 20s and 40s, you know, in my 20s, I lost grandparents um, on both sides. I lost an uncle. And it seemed like for one period of one to two years, I was losing somebody frequently. And it became overwhelming and burdensome and depressing um, with multiple losses in a short period of time. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, I've heard of a lot of similar complaints from 20 to 30-year-olds of multiple losses within one family due to the pandemic. Um, in addition to losses of loved ones, the loss of financial security on top of the loss of loved ones because the pandemic had affected their job situation and the stress of being disconnected or cut off from other family members due to quarantine or COVID restrictions, all of those losses can complicate grief. All of those losses can make it more difficult for you to have access to support like therapists, um, access to support like other loved ones who are also experiencing that same loss um, and your ability to use resources uh, to help you with any financial fallout from the loss of a loved one, um, being able to, I don't want to say enjoy, but enact certain rituals that help us to move on and move forward, such as burials and memorials, um, remembrance activities that help us to begin to accept that the person is not here anymore. Um, having some of those short-circuited short during the pandemic can be very problematic. So then we go on to what they're calling middle-aged which is 40 to 60-year-old individuals. Similar to adults, they can be badly impacted by the sudden loss of a loved one. They might grieve the loss of their child or children and potential future grandchildren. They might feel guilty for um, not being able to protect them. Losing a partner or a spouse um, during a disaster can leave uh, older aged adults, middle-aged adults with 
more responsibilities, just as with the 20 to 40 year olds in different roles than they were prepared to deal with before. They may experience financial hardship, like we mentioned in the previous example, and dealing with grieving children in addition to their own grief. Um, Middle-aged adults might grieve future plans for retiring together. I have definitely heard this from some of my clients um, in their, you know, plans that they had for each other. Um, things that they had planned to do together that had not yet been realized. Maybe they had been delayed because of the pandemic, or maybe they had been delayed because of other medical or financial issues. And, you know, how is that going to get fulfilled now? Um, bad enough, the person that you wanted to fulfill them with is no longer here. But as you are getting older, um, perhaps there is some question of, will you have the opportunity to experience those things that you had planned to do together? For others, it is more of maybe the loved one died just before, or just after they moved to their retirement homes or their retirement um, state, and they had all these plans. And now it's like, do I even want to do this or be here without that person, not in a way suggesting that they want to harm themselves or they don't want to live anymore, but basically, you know, is it too painful to live in, in their retirement dream home area without that person anymore? So there are lots of challenges for the 40 to 60 year olds and things to work through and discuss in therapy and in grief counseling. The last group is 60 plus years old, um, and that would be my mother's age currently. Um, depending on their age, they may have acquired memories, um, material things, accomplishments together, spiritual realizations and losses. Um, individuals of this age group, 60 plus, often have experienced multiple losses, jobs, health, independence, social roles, and familiar living surroundings, as well as loved ones. So even though loss is expected at this age, unexpected losses um, can also be even more impactful, um, difficult to maneuver, difficult to deal with, um, I can say that with these most recent losses, and especially with the pandemic, with many people in that age group being more vulnerable to the pandemic, the mounting losses is a lot worse. And couple that with the realization of how close mortality is, it makes that grieving process more complicated. Um, I'm losing people that I've known all my life as, you know, my mother's losing somebody she's known since um, elementary school. Um, this was a sudden loss, but we're in a state right now where that person is in hospice. So it's like uh, every day kind of on edge because is this the day? Um, yesterday was a day 
she got a call and she thought, well, this is going to be it. This might be my last time to see, talk to, feel, touch this person. And then getting somewhat of a reprieve, even though the person was really, really weak and could not participate as well as um, previously. We got a reprieve, but it's still stressful. It's still wearing this uh, suspended grief, so to speak, because you know that it's not going to end with this person recovering and coming back to life. Um, it's a suspended grief, but you're still kind of grieving because you're reviewing all of the things that you share with that person across a lifespan. You're reviewing that you never expected that this would be what would happen. A few years ago, another friend suffered a debilitating stroke. Fortunately, that friend survived, um, but that was another harrowing experience because if that could happen to XYZ, then what could happen to me? My time is shortening. So again, more issues with grieving and loss and more complicated grieving. Um, as the example mentioned, some of the losses are of, they say independence, I wanna call it functional status. Um, my mother has expressed to me that it has been harder for her to deal with the changes of aging, um, the changes in her body, the changes in her ability to do the things that she's always done. Um, that has been um, a real, real, real challenge. Um, the challenge of not wanting to be a burden to her children, um, of, of dealing with chronic pain that has come with um, post, you know, treatment for uh, uh, cancer and, you know, all of these things that she did not, never had anticipated, even though my grandmother and her grandmother lived a long life, for the most part, they were pretty functional. Um, they were able to still do most of the things that they had always done. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of changes with that in two years under quarantine where we could not touch or or see each other in person the uncertainties of quarantine that added to you know or subtracted from some people's ability to bounce back from all of these losses and the stresses of these losses so you know, it just all got me thinking it's a lot to deal with in the 40 to 60 set. It's a lot to deal with in the 60 plus set, but it's also, depending on your age, a lot to deal with for whoever you are and whatever stage you are. But we do better, research has shown, we do better when we grieve together, when we have certain practices of saying goodbye to each other and remembering each other, the people who have have gone on, when we have certain spiritual beliefs that help us to deal with life after death, we do much better. We're better able to navigate grief.
So that is my recommendation for you. If the loved one is on hospice, you have the opportunity to do grief counseling through the hospice association. Most of the time, they will give you six free sessions. If not, and you have health insurance, you can have sessions with a therapist, a psychotherapist, licensed mental health counselor, such as myself, to help you navigate those stages of grief and navigate getting on with the job of living. Um, a lot of times people may have a different kind of survivor grief where they feel guilty for going on with their life, for living their dreams, realizing their dreams without that loved one. They feel angry that uh, or abandoned that that loved one left them here to deal with life. And we were supposed to deal with life together. Um, that can be a part of it. And all of these are different stages of grief, denial, um, blame, bargaining, um, getting to some kind of acceptance with the grief, sadness. And you can go through those stages and, you know, different places and it can bounce back and forth between them. But a therapist would be able to help you to navigate those stages would help you to better move through those stages um, without losing yourself and still be able to be grateful for what you had with that person um, and to remember that person um, in ways that don't keep you locked in a stage of grief where you're not living your life, you're not working, you're not functioning, you're not taking care of kids if you have children together, all of those things. So I hope that this has been helpful for you to understand the different challenges of grief at different stages. We will also present to you another uh, podcast on grieving, um, related to grieving a spouse in particular. So drop me a line if this was helpful for you, if you want more of these kinds of topics, or if you have suggestions of other topics related to mental health and wellness that you would like to hear from me. This is Dr. Carmen, and you have been on the couch with me, and I will see you next time. This has been another episode of On the Couch with Dr. Carmen. Thank you for spending time with me. Please leave some messages about your favorite points of the podcast and any topics you would like me to cover in the future.